What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 165 of the Massive Breakdown Podcast. We are coming to you on a big, big week for Destiny. We had the Future of Destiny reveal stream earlier this week. Uh, Season of the Arrivals is here as well. And, uh, and on top of that, they out of nowhere dropped a TWAB, which had some, some game changers in it. So we're going to talk about all of that uh, in preparation for hopefully getting to do some deep dives on the weapons next week. Uh, but first, let's get the introductions out of the way. As always, I'm your host, Mercules, joined tonight by Kit Ketcha. And how are you doing this evening, Kit? Uh, honestly, I am just loving all of the stuff that's being uh, dropped by Bungie right now. Um, this week, yeah, this week I've just been pumped. I've been, I've been all Destiny all the time, uh, as much as I can fit in. So, yeah, it's good. It's real good. How about you, man? About the same, man. I, uh, I I put a meeting on my calendar so that I would not get any calls or distractions while the uh, Bungie stream was going on. I watched the whole thing. Then I watched the QA with Luke Smith and Dr. Lupo afterwards, which was honestly really, really great. It's good to see uh, Luke Smith getting out there and putting his face in front of the community again. It's been a while since he's done that. And Lupo did a really good job of asking him uh, some of the hard questions and some of the questions people really, really wanted to know. So I thought that was great. Uh, the stream was just a wealth of information and wealth of knowledge um and this is the first time they've done something like this where they basically were dark about the future uh season until the very last minute they started talking about the season an hour before the season went live and i've got to say i actually much prefer this Um, i feel like it helped to temper expectations just the right amount um and on top of that, they dropped a dungeon just out of nowhere. They were like, oh yeah, also there's a new dungeon that's live. Go play it, right? And they dropped all these trailers. You could tell they had four different trailers that they dropped, right? You could tell that if this were a normal season, they would have spaced all that out for a couple of weeks beforehand. But the fact that they didn't, I think, was perfect. And then they did the same thing with the TWAB today. There was no hint at all that matchmaking changes were going to happen. They literally pushed them live and then said in the TWAB, like, this is what we're doing now. So... We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, first, I think we have some housekeeping to get out of the way. I believe we have some Patreon news, and I know for a fact we've also got a couple of uh, Apple Podcast reviews to read as well. Yeah, why don't we hit those reviews first here? Because um, my browser crashed, and that's fun. Fair enough, fair enough. The first review uh, is from Walls 88 He says, uh, long-time reviewer, first-time listener, five stars. Uh, he said, love the pod. Look forward to a massive breakdown on community toxicity relative to how late it is in the season. Jokes aside, I'm super glad this podcast has persevered through the slow time and is still going strong. Keep up the good work and nerf Aaron <laughs> So thank you very much, Jay Walls, for the podcast review. Uh, community toxicity and uh, time in the season, those things are absolutely very definitely related. The later in the season it gets... Uh, the more toxic the community gets. And, and we all know that from our experience. Then we also have another podcast review. Uh, this one came from someone who is not in the country. And so they very wisely sent us a message on Twitter and said, hey, I left you guys a review, uh, but I'm from out of the country. So he said, this one is from The Heroes We Need. He said, gents, first of all, thank you for the show that you do. I came across it by noticing Mercury's name being mentioned elsewhere by Drew Fallout and Cool Guy, uh, to name a few. Started listening to it and honestly love every bit. The fact that not only... You do a technical break, break. Jesus, I can't talk tonight. Not only do you do a technical breakdown, but also that you give your own experience and opinions on the perks and weapons gives it a great touch. I used to be a huge MMO player, so always used to love the damage min max and wow and crafting macro hell of SWG. Now that I am old and have a real life, this is perfect for me with a balance of detail and play. Always refer to you guys and Panda Paxi for my info. Thank you for making my destiny life enjoyable. You are the vanguard we need. 
P.S. I love your tweets, Kit. And unfortunately, uh, I did not save the Twitter user's name who sent us that message. I just saved the image of the podcast review. So you know who you are. You sent us a message on Twitter. We really appreciate it. Thank you so very much for that podcast review. And thank you for loving my tweets. I think that's the first time somebody has, uh, has ever said that. And it feels great. And remember, guys, if you follow Destiny Massive Breakdowns, the Twitter, uh, you are basically following Kit Kutcha as well because he is the one running that, uh, that Twitter show. So anytime you like the stuff that, uh, that Destiny Massive Breakdowns is doing, you're liking the stuff that Kit Kutcha is doing. Yeah, it's been a little quieter, uh, I think, over, over quarantine here. Um, I usually try to, to keep it you know, very Destiny-focused, but, uh, but this, week, this week there's been a little bit of, a little bit of activity. Um, I dropped some sass today that I was pretty pleased with. So, uh, yeah, follow us on the Twitters if you don't already. Um, well, let's uh, let's hop over to the Discord. So we we want to throw some big shout outs to uh, a couple of new patrons. Um, so <laughs> I am not a hundred percent sure I'm going to say this right. Uh, Acuxis or Acuxis. Accusis could be any of those. You know who you are. Um, we'll see you in Discord. Thank you so much for the pledge and support. Really do appreciate it, even though I just do not know how to pronounce uh, your name. So I apologize for that. But thank you for the pledge. Um, also, want to sh- sh- uh, throw a big shout out to. Boy, you guys are. Is it Askian Monk or Asian Monk? Could be either one. Um, so thank you so much uh, as well for the support. I uh, really appreciate um, everything that you guys do for us and everything that all of our ongoing patrons do. You guys keep this show um, completely and, and totally on the air, paid for, 100% sponsor-free, aside from our ongoing sponsor, ZenSoCal, who is a guardian like the rest of us. Um, and so when I say sponsor-free, what I mean is we don't have to go hunting for, uh, you know, some lords. business to, uh, you know, that we would then pitch to you guys and, and spend time doing that nonsense. We just get to say, hey, thank you for being awesome. Um, and let's talk about some destiny and no, no you know, funky products uh, <laughs> thrown in the mix. I can't think of an example right now. I don't really want to. Uh, granola bar company. There we go. Uh, or something. Yeah. No, no, uh, no airlines advertising on on these waves. Although, in fairness, if an airline were to offer us free flights to advertise on the podcast, I would probably have to take up that offer. I don't think any of you guys could blame me. That's true. Traveling isn't the it's the greatest idea right now. But you're telling me I could get a free flight to like Indonesia, do some scuba diving. I'm, I might have to take that one. See, this, so, that'd be a brilliant know, move for the airlines right now. So they'd get so much free advertising because nobody's gonna fly. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, those are the insights that you come to us here on Destiny Massive Breakdowns for right there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to all of you. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate everyone tuning in right now. Um, you guys make this so much fun. So thank you. You, you can tell it's early in a new season because we're so generous and we're so effusive with our praise and we're just so happy in general. It's everything <laughs> is sunshine and roses and optimism. And you can tell it is a brand new season. So uh, let's let's talk some Destiny. First things first, the uh, June 9th 
reveal of what is going to be going on was was big for destiny so not only did they basically tell us like look destiny 2 is going to stick around for a while it's going to be on next generation consoles uh, so we're going to be moving forward with it but we're not building a destiny 3 we didn't want to leave everything behind build a whole new game work with a new engine we want to keep going in destiny 2. so it looks like that their plan is through a an expansion that is probably along the lines of you know forsaken uh taken king rise of iron maybe on the smaller side but i would hope that uh they would be bigger than rise of iron um, I, I think a, a Forsaken or Taken King style expansion uh, every fall looks like what they're going for. It looks like they're going to be introducing a new destination and a new storyline every fall, and then they're going to keep going with these seasons uh, to support it throughout that year. So what that means is we are not going to be getting a Destiny 3 that has four destinations to drop all at once. Um, we are just going to be getting one at a time. I, I think if what they give us in the fall is good like forsaken like taken king i think that's going to be a fine model working out right because i'm okay going through the slow parts of spring uh, if i know that come september i'm going to be getting something really really awesome so how, how do you feel about the new business model that they're putting out of one expansion a year one pretty sizable expansion a year but no destiny 3 um i'm i'm totally down with it frankly um you know the uh, the transition to Destiny Two from from Destiny One was a rough one. Um, they smoothed it a little bit, you know, by letting us port our characters' appearances and stuff. But there's only like, you know, it, it still kind of hurts to see all those all those old favorites fall by the wayside, all those old locations, all those old maps. Um, you know, kind of just completely. You know, it doesn't it doesn't it didn't even fade away. You know, it's kind of like a hard cut, like it's just gone. Um, and on to the new thing. And uh, that was that was pretty disrupting, I think, for the game state. Um, and I think they make a good point in that by transitioning from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, they lost a lot of... Uh, a lot of the kind of quality of life changes that had been made um, that they weren't able to bring in with a completely new game right from the get-go. Um, that was a huge criticism of Destiny 2 from the outset, actually, is, is how much was left behind. Uh, not just in terms of our gear, but in terms of the features in the game. So I think they're making a, a great move here. Um, and as far as, you know, the player experience goes, um, I think if they're, if they're doing something on the order of the Taken King or Forsaken, I think I'm totally fine with that. I think that sounds fantastic. Um, you know, those are two expansions that I think we can point to and say, look, Destiny or Bungie knows how to do Destiny big and, and how to and how to do a really good expansion. Um, they've got, you know, in terms of those fall releases, they've got a pretty good track record. As we've talked about, I think before, some of the other times of year, for whatever reason, the the expansions can can flop a little bit. Um, you know, certainly, I would hope it's not a curse of Osiris. Um, but no, I, I would be. We would be. So we would be in trouble. I mean, when you when you look at the gamut of expansions they've given us, right? Like, uh, obviously, Season of the Worthy is like the smallest of the small, right? We didn't get a new location. We didn't really get anything. We just got a new game mode, and that was pretty much it. 
Um, things like Curse of Osiris and Warm Minds, like, well, you get Mercury, but Mercury is pretty small. You get Mars. Mars is like, you know, relatively decently sized. It's not bad. Um, and then you get something like Forsaken, where you get the Dreaming City and you get the Tangled Shore, both of which are pretty fleshed out. Yeah. The Dreaming City is extremely fleshed out, right? And you get a raid and you get a dungeon. And like, if they're going to give us, and the same thing with the Taken King, where we got the Dreadnought, and the Dreadnought was very, very fleshed out. If that's what they're going to give us every fall, I mean, the Taken King and Forsaken have been two of my favorite time periods of Destiny. If they're going to give us something on that level uh, every single fall, then good. If yeah. it's going to be more the size of like Rise of Iron, which I think Rise of Iron and Warmind are actually like close together in terms of how much content there was. I think Rise of Iron had a little bit more, um, and it had a much better raid associated with it. Uh, so, but I think those are, those are pretty close together that if we're waiting a year for rise of iron, um, and we don't know that there's like a destiny three on the horizon immediately following it. I, I don't know if that's going to be enough, but I, I have faith that they're going to do stuff more along the, uh, more along the, the bigger edges of it. Um, regardless, they've showed us a lot about beyond light. So it's beyond light. And then, uh, the witch queen, which is, the Witch Queen, and then Lightfall, yeah. which is a working title, they have said. so Pretty ominous working title. Yeah. Um, I actually am pretty sure I know more about what is going on than I'm going to be allowed to reveal on this. Because, uh, like, I left. Like, I knew what they were working on when I left, but I left and I wasn't sure what direction they were going to take it. Um, but now, having seen what it is that they're doing, uh, I'm pretty confident I know... The direction that they decide to go with um so i'm um, i'm excited about that be like very very excited about that because some of the stuff that they were talking about when i was there it was just like in concept phases and i was just thinking like oh my god if this is what you guys do it's going to be incredible and it looks like they are continuing to move forward with s some of those storylines so i'm really excited about that but beyond light is the first one they showed us uh we're going to europa which is fucking awesome yeah. because europa and old chicago are probably like the old school Destiny players remember seeing concept art of those two locations and it never came to fruition in game, right? Um, and from what I've seen of the shots of Europa, it looks like a mix of Mars from D1 in terms of the like Clovis Bray buildings, like the cityscape, but then Titan from D2 and then Icy. Like that's that's the vibe I get when I'm looking at it. I am so ready for this. One of the things that I had the most problems with in D two is that so many of the uh, so many of the locations we went to didn't have like enough vestiges of humanity in them, right? Like Io, there's nothing man made about Io at all, and so I find it hard to relate compared to something like Titan, where Titan it's like this is the golden age, and it's now in ruins, and I even think that's better than the EDZ because the EDZ it's like this is just like a town or like a city, yeah. Right? Like there's not I don't feel like this was golden age and then destroyed. Whereas Titan, it's like this is very clearly future tech that has been taken down. And I love that aesthetic more than anything else in Destiny. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that was um that kind of feel that like humanity reached its zenith and then fell or was, you know, pushed, as the case may be. Um like that was so ever present, I think, in Destiny One. Um, and there have been some locations where that feeling has, has been a little bit lacking in Destiny 2. Not, not all of them. I think the EDZ is pretty fair, uh, pretty fair criticism. 
Um, I, I still like the EDZ, but yeah, I don't know. Some of it does just kind of feel like a little bit less Destiny uh, and a little bit more kind of like generic post-apocalyptic. Um, I'll say my favorite parts of the EDZ are the Cabal locations. Yeah, I was EDZ. actually thinking the same yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Titan, in terms of aesthetic, I, I would agree that Titan is probably one of the coolest and most underutilized locations, I think, in Destiny right now. Um, so if they're going to give us something more along those lines, uh, I'm I'm super pumped for it. And I think Europa is a really exciting uh, place for them to go because it gives them a... You know, I, I think it gives them a really interesting location to work with in terms of uh, just like what Europa is like in the real world, where it's you know it, it is basically like a frozen ball with potentially some kind of liquid ocean underneath. You know, it's just this giant frozen liquid moon, um, and uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing to exist out in space right it's just kind of strange we always think of i think moons as just being these big balls of dirt and rocks uh and europa is very much not that so i'm excited i'm excited to explore it and i'm excited for the storyline they have planned for us with uh maybe maybe pushing a toe across the line between light and dark and just testing the waters or let's just not even test um, the waters let's just dive head first on in the, the light's been okay <laughs> man the light's been fine but i'm itching for some new subclasses so they're bringing in a new uh, element called stasis which i don't know if it can best be described as like an ice subclass um because that's what it looks like and it kind of would make sense being on europa seeing as it's a frozen planet uh, and that's actually the power that you see Eris wielding at the beginning. And then she's walking up and the ice crystals are like coming up through the ground around her. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I wonder if the weapons that do stasis damage are going to be in the kinetic slot or if they're also going to be in the energy slot with the other energy weapons. Um, because if you look at the... If you look at the weapons that we got this season, season of the arrival, uh, the new... Uh, umbral ingram we weapons right uh they're like omelon weapons but with white gel or like white liquid in them right and i and yeah. i wonder if that is like a precursor to stasis uh and because it'd be interesting to put it in the kinetic slot because if you don't you're gonna end up with four elements in that energy slot right and i feel like it's gonna start to get a little bit crowded yeah whereas kinetics it's, it's only just been kinetic yeah i mean it's uh it's it's an interesting question, right? Because you know, like the first, so the first thing I thought was, okay, so we're gonna have a new element. So we're gonna jump into this campaign. One of the first things we're gonna run into is enemies with this new elemental shield. Uh, that's gonna be real hecka hard for us to get through, because um, we don't have any matching elements to burn it down, um, and that could be kind of a really interesting mechanic uh, that kind of both changes up the gameplay but also plays into the storyline and then we're like okay you know we need we need weapons that can combat these enemies um and you know i would assume that the drifter will, will be happy to sell them to us or iris will will help us forge them creepily 
or maybe the Exo Stranger will uh, bring something over from another universe. Um, so it does say about stasis. Uh, this is on the Beyond Light page on Bungie.net. It says, rooted in darkness, guardians will wield this new elemental power alongside Arc, Solar, and Void, summoning epic supers to dominate the battlefield. Titans, warlocks, and hunters each use stasis in a different way, from slowing down foes with stasis fields to encasing and shattering enemies with destructive might. So we know, too, so now I understand what the Titans is. The Titans is the slowing down foes with a stasis field. Um, Because I was wondering what it was that the Titan was doing in the trailer. Uh, The Warlock summons, like, a staff and shoots, like, stasis projectiles out of it. And the Hunter gets these, like, stasis battle axes that it can throw, kind of like the the Titan's throwing hammers. Um, So I guess the the Titan's one is, like, a, a slowing field that can slow down enemies that will be interesting to see how this plays i mean this is this is the biggest jump they've ever made this isn't something i've done in destiny one or destiny two up until this point they're literally adding an entirely new element i hope this is the beginning of a series of new elements being added right you know we we don't need to just stick to to arc solar and void forever there there are more things out there i would love to see like a toxic subclass right that was like uh poison or something like that i mean look what do we do? We just look at the Pokemon <laughs> types, right? And then you can just make stuff in there. Uh, yeah, my hunter is going to be grass today. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they if they explore that further in terms of looking at additional darkness elements. Um, now, they do, they do talk about our characters wielding these alongside the other energy types. Um, although, I guess if you think about it, stasis is sort of a sort of a draining of energy rather than a, an energy in and of itself, which is, of course, I think very fitting for darkness powers. Um, and yeah, I think there'd be room for maybe some kind of a, a corruption uh, energy at some point in the future, some kind of decay. Um, certainly some things they could do with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see three darkness elements at some point alongside the three three types of light the three um i'd be very surprised they didn't eventually do that one for each of the next fall expansions right um yeah and they actually they also talk about the raid for beyond light um it's the deepstone crypt which we know as the birthplace of the exos uh it says beneath the frozen tundra of europa lies the deepstone crypt for decades it has remained dormant your fire team cautiously approach, approaches, weapons raised, and the final plan is set in motion. Uh, it also talks about how they describe Europa. It says, There are those who believe Europa is nothing more than a frozen Golden Age graveyard, its treasures long ago swallowed by ice and darkness. You know better. Beneath the ruins lie countless relics, an arsenal of weapons, and more. Claim this cutting-edge tech from the clutches of time and dare to tame the I'm so excited to go to Europa. I think Europa, the only way I could have been more excited is if they said that we were going to Old Chicago. Because the concept art for Old Chicago... So I'm not going to lie, keep thinking about beer incredible. and pizza. Um, uh, yeah. Just go to, a, go to a pizzeria in Chicago and just have some drinks. And... I mean, that's really, I think, what my guardian wants to do at heart. That's what it's all for. Let's just eat, eat and drink. Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm really, really, really excited for Beyond Light. Um, I love when Bungie pushes the envelope in terms of the story that they're telling in Destiny. A lot of times, uh, 
you know, I, and I don't say this necessarily as a criticism, but a lot of, I think a lot of what we see is, is kind of fairly standard in terms of like what we might expect from a sci-fi space magic shooter, uh, if anything is standard in that genre. Um, you know, conflicts between the light and the dark, uh, you know, good and evil, blowing up aliens with, you know, a, a widely varied arsenal, an increasingly varied arsenal, really. Um, you know, these these things I think are, are pretty, you know, pretty standard. Blowing up planets, trying to blow up the sun, throwing a giant spaceship at a city, like, it's cool, and I, I like it, but... Um, what really, I think, draws me in is when they do things like Forsaken, you know, when they show that anyone at any time could get the axe, like, you know, the Guardians are, are immortal, but, but not totally immortal. Um, not always. We do have... Vulnerabilities. By the way, what you what did you think of the Almighty blowing up? I mean, how did you watch the event? Uh, I wanted to be, but unfortunately, I was not. They they announced it uh, after I had made plans, so uh, I was on uh, a hike. Um, it was long. It was it was far 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 too long. I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong, and it was fun being in the tower I mean, with all the people. I watched but the time it lasted lapse forever. I'll 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 admit that I yeah. did not sit for that's. For an hour and a half and, and watched it the whole thing i just i don't know i did <laughs> it was a very long hour and a half i was actually late to an appointment that i had afterwards because i was waiting for it to go through so super cool thing never seen anything like that in the game before hope we see more in the future definitely for the love of god please don't make it an hour and a half next time you know 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes yeah, ten minutes would be even better. But yeah, it was it was it was cool. I, I completely forgot that that happened after uh, the last podcast episode we recorded. Yeah, no, that was a, that was good. That was a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was it was certainly cool to watch. Um, I'm not too upset that I uh, wasn't there live to see it, um, but I do hope that they continue to do events like that because um, I think that is. I mean, I think that's a huge opportunity for them to leverage the fact that this is an active online game um, with people who, you know, who like to be part of something. Um, so, yeah, I hope we I hope we see more. Let's learn from Fortnite, right? Like, Fortnite has done this extremely well. Yeah. Um, perhaps too well to the point that they basically commercialized it into actual commercials for products that they are partnering with right um but the, it makes it feel like a living world when there's activities and events that you can share with other people who are also in the world i mean i've never seen the towers so full consistently right like 24 people get into the tower and 24 people are sitting in that tower yeah like watching standing next to each other jumping around bouncing a ball back and forth like it felt like a social space i would have loved to have been able to see it from the farm i don't think that would have made sense in the context of you know what we were looking at it would have been incredible but regardless it was it was a really really cool event it would have been cool though because then if, like somebody could have gotten some footage from multiple locations like if you could have seen it like almost anywhere um on earth that would have been imagine maybe, if you're in a pvp maybe match a different and you're seeing view from it from the midtown moon. right yeah 
That would have been cool. Um, and then they could have put together like a scene like from uh, like from the end of Return of the Jedi, um, where you you see everyone celebrating, uh, you know, in all these different worlds, On all the different planets. Um, yeah. I I referenced that because I I literally just watched it with my daughter, and it's now her new favorite Star Wars movie. Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. I think it is probably the best one. I, I love it a, a lot. It's really good. It's, this is this is really, not really a Star Wars podcast. Damn it! We'll have to do <laughs> another in real life episode. We put out the Phantom Minute the other day. Yeah. So now we're gonna have to do some pun on Attack of the Clones, uh, and work our way all the way through. We did the entire sequel, uh, the whole sequel trilogy, just in one episode because we didn't feel like they each deserved their own episode because uh, the sequel trilogy was the weakest, but. We will definitely talk about the rest of the Star yeah. Wars. I think that's just going to be our our IRL episodes are just going to be Star Wars episodes, like from here on out. I feel like that's what's going to happen until until the next season of The Mandalorian comes out, and then it's going to be still Star Wars episodes. I was lying. Um, It'll just be Mandalorian Star Wars episodes instead. <laughs> yeah. Rest. Um. So fantastic. Uh. But hey, if you're listening to us, you're probably a giant nerd like we are, and that's that's awesome. Um, what else do we want to talk about with this new season? One thing, so I do want to say that it is it is not a hundred percent sunshine and roses. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed at the uh, the twisted is it twisted element twisted energy. I'm drawing a total blank now on which one it is. The stuff that you need to to rank up. Um, for your umbral engram focusing is super limited. You get two weekly bounties and then the season, whatever you get from the season pass. So basically, like I have to go play multiple characters now just to farm that, even if I wasn't going to, which I can do, but it's, it's just kind of annoying that like, basically, you know, if, if I have a busy week and I only have time to play one character, I'm missing out on two thirds of that and I have zero way to make it up um, I was like okay why is it, you know I thought that maybe it drops from the public event nope doesn't doesn't drop from the public event um, so there's there's like no way to rank that up I'm glad I, I care nothing about leveling up any of these I, I gave up the very first time they did one of these damn things right like I just I can't take another season of leveling up a fucking obelisk slash antimatter containment field like i'm so so tired of doing these seasonal level up grinds for this stuff like i i just my eyes glaze over when i like look at the progression path through it and i'm like do i need to do this to progress the game no not doing it and i just like move on i'm fine just you know taking my umbral engrams and saying just give me a uh, you know just give me a weapon uh, that's all i need and so that's pretty much where i'm at right now I might feel that way if I hadn't gotten like 10 out of 12 bows from the friggin' pyramid focus when I keep, I'm trying so hard to get, I wanted the auto rifle, but at this point I would just settle for not a bow. The auto rifle is um, great, by the way. It's the only one of the high impact auto rifles that feels like how Suros feels. Um, it's not quite as good as Suros, but it literally doesn't have recoil. It's very strange. I, I don't know why it is, that it doesn't um and i got a pretty good roll on mine 
but I was shooting it at a wall and it legitimately like doesn't have recoil. It jumps around in the same spot. And this is on controller too. So it is really, really, really good. It's already basically become my new go-to in PvP. Uh, I'm also using it with Jotun because I decided to be a huge asshole for no reason. That's fair. And I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to sweat really, really hard, but with Jotun. And I have uh, I have really been enjoying it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's uh, that's got to be super annoying for all the people trying to farm uh, grenade launcher kills right now. Um, of which there are a ton. Yeah. I'm already really tired of seeing grenade launchers in the Crucible, especially the new uh, Blighting Lion, as they call it, the Wither Horde or whatever it is. Like That thing is not super great at PvP. It's okay. Um, if you direct hit someone, I have realized that you cannot escape from it once it has hit you and it will kill you. Yep. Um, it is which is something that, I didn't, something that I didn't know before. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, but those things just being blighted all over the ground can make it really, really frustrating to be trying to run around when you're constantly having to dodge in and out of blights and it's hard to see which one's your teammates and which one's not and so i just avoid them all in general but it's strategic man it's area control um, i'm interested to see how the first week of trials goes with <laughs> i can i can foresee some teams running three stacks of those and just being really super annoying with them i i think that's very likely that there will be some teams who will run three stacks of those in in like sidearms or short range weapons or snipe um i guess you wouldn't pair it with a sniper you could pair it with a sniper if you're really good yeah just part of the anti-cheat they um for trials by the way they actually made a little quest that you have to do huh. before you can go into trials so you have to kill 50 gardens you have to get to light level 1010 and you have to get to valor rank legend so well i i hadn't actually not visited saint 14 yet um so that's good to know um, yeah, and probably I'm not a good sure thing. how effective it'll be, but you know, I mean, I mean, it's definitely better than nothing. Yeah, you know, because it takes some time to do all that stuff, and I can't imagine people who are doing free-to-play accounts to cheat will want to go through all that effort. Um, what Call of Duty did that was really, really successful is they forced you to register with an email and a phone number for every single account that you make. You have to, you have to use you know two-factor authentication basically, and that pretty much killed it like right off the bat because once one of your phone numbers gets banned you know you either have to make a second phone number or you know do all this stuff and then they text the number and you have to do the thing so which is not as easy as you might think um yeah i mean you can use google to give yourself a fake phone number i'm pretty sure but it's a little more annoying to to do for sure um well, it worked because it basically shut down a lot of the cheating that they had going on in that game so yeah no, i think that's, that's a great idea implement uh, I would be totally fine. I mean, I already get emails from Bungie, so I don't mind, you know, as long as they don't want to send me texts, too, because everybody wants to send me texts anymore. Anyway, um, let's talk about the Crucible for a minute. These changes, out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, we're dropping skill-based matchmaking, man. It's going away in all Match the playlists, except for Elimination, Survival, Survival Freelance, Trials of Osiris is going to remain card-based which is frustrating to me. Um, I'm actually really surprised that they dropped skill-based matchmaking so completely. In my wildest dreams, I never would have guessed that they would have dropped it from uh, from Iron Banner and from Rumble. I thought it would always stay in those two. Um, I would have really, really appreciated them dropping it from uh, Control and from the Weekly Rotators. 
that I felt was necessary, but they just straight up got rid of it for everything. Um, and I can tell you it is a noticeable difference. I went to control earlier this evening uh, and I used wave splitter and a lightweight bow as a combination, which is not a super competitive combination and still was able to feel like I was playing a game where uh, a loss was not a certainty, which it would have been in control with me using that loadout right. before. So I am so, so happy with these changes. Uh, the connection, the speed of matchmaking, both of those things were noticeably improved on my end. Yeah, I definitely noticed that um, I was able to load into a match much more quickly uh, in control than I had been previously, where, where matching had sometimes stretched out to three, four, five minutes. Um, just trying to find uh, a good match, um, so it's 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 nice. Uh, I'm really happy about it, um, and I'm totally I'm totally good with it staying where they left it um, in terms of elimination, survival, and freelance. Uh, so trials. I mean, we've talked about our problems with card-based matching before. I don't want to spend 20 minutes rehashing it now. Um, I will say that I think they've made some efforts to alter the reward structure of trials so that even if you go in and you are pretty sure that you're not going to go flawless, you can still walk away with something for your time. Um, and so I will say that at least for the moment, trials looks much more appealing to me this season than it did last season. I'm still not a fan of card-based matching. Um, but it is what it is right now, um, so uh, yeah. So I, I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at on it. I'm I'm gonna withhold judgment and just kind of see how the season develops. You know, when you really look at it, skill based matchmaking doesn't have much of a uh, doesn't have much of a place in in games, and there are so many other types of matchmaking you can do. Um, you know, I'm very surprised that survival uh, is not based on glory yet. That it's still skill-based matchmaking because what you have is you have two people who are at the same glory uh, but their experiences and how they get there are wildly different based on the type of people they're playing right so you can yeah. have me at 3500 glory and someone else at 3500 glory and because of skill-based matchmaking the my road to 3500 glory would could be brutal brutal slog someone else's road to 3500 glory could be quite easy comparatively right so it's it's a it's a frustrating experience and i don't really like that because it, what it does is it takes glory, and though people are at the same glory, they're actually not really at the same glory, right? Like, you got to 3,500 glory and bronze tier, and I got to 3,500 glory and platinum tier. Those glories are not the same, despite the fact that the game tells you they are. So that frustrates me, but I am less frustrated now because they have given me more places to play uh, in PvP where I don't have to feel like I'm playing a tournament every single game. I do wonder whether or not this is going to be a move to them uh, bringing Classic Mix, Control, and Clash all back into one playlist, which I hope, because that will also dramatically speed up connection times and connection quality. Yeah. Uh, because really, now that they're all connection-based, there's no reason for there to be three separate playlists. right? It could just be one playlist that is you know, heavily weighted to Control or something. Yeah, I mean, if we're, you know, if we're going there, like they, they still need to consolidate the Crucible playlists. Like there, there are just there are still too many, and I know they want to give places to play different game modes, and that's great. 
Um, but like, there, there are just still too many options. Um, you know, and until they until they consolidate that, I think anything else they do is is certainly only going to be a half measure when it comes to improving connection quality and queue times. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, other than that, I I'm relatively I think pleased by uh, by the changes that they've made. Um, yeah, I don't think I want to say anything negative. No, well, and they almost had to as well because what was happening was um, the population. So th this is an argument that I know a lot of people make in bad faith on Twitter, uh, but they were saying that you know when you turn skill-based matchmaking off, the crucible population dies. The numbers actually don't support that at all. Um, and I've said this a million times, but the type of matchmaking you have in PvP has very little effect on the. Uh, it has very little effect on the population numbers. What has an effect on the population numbers is the actual success of the season itself, the reward structure that's in there, you know, things like that, right? Like crucible population ends up being secondary to how well, how healthy the game is at that current point in time, right? Um, and, but what was interesting, and I love being able to say this, is people who use that argument of, oh, when you turn on skill-based matchmaking, more people play PvP, uh, and then right before this season, you know, had started picking up, um, connection-based matchmaking had not been a thing in anything except for classic mix and the game had gone free to play and the PVP population numbers were as low as they'd ever been. Right. So it's like, not only is the game free to play and on steam and free to play on all these consoles and you have skill-based matchmaking active, but the population still sucks. Like that is proof in the pudding right there that turning skill-based matchmaking on does not protect a bunch of novice and new players and get them flocking into the crucible it turns out the people who hate the crucible still only play their bare minimum required number of games they enjoy their five games a week more than they do without connection-based matchmaking but they still don't stay in the crucible they still leave now you know that is going to be called a bad faith argument by people on the other side of it because i know that there's some people out there who are like well you know for example in discord you know it ruined this will probably ruin iron banner for you know, some of the people who play Iron Banner specifically because uh, the people they play against are not very good because Iron Banner have very strict skill-based matchmaking. And I understand that, and that is unfortunate. Um, but my counterpoint to that was I haven't played Iron Banner in, in literal year, in a year since they added skill-based matchmaking back in. I haven't played Iron Banner, not a single time. It was a miserable, awful experience, especially when you're being told that you have to use weapons that you're not very good with to get a bounty done. It was a terrible, terrible experience. And this will be the first Iron Banner I actually play. I mean, those Iron Banner bounties, I think, are a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's always... With with decisions like this where, where Bungie has multiple options on how to solve a problem, such as how to match players in various Crucible modes, uh, it's always a double-edged sword. Um, you know, if they do something... Some players are going to be happy. Some players are going to be uh, annoyed or put out. And, you know, a bunch of people aren't going to care one way or the other. Um, and so it's always a matter of they have to kind of decide, you know, do we think we're going to make more players happy if we do this or if we do that? Uh, and, and sometimes it's a guess. And sometimes they have to try it and just see. Um, and, you know, it, it 
looks to me like they've decided that it's going to be better for the health of the game to go to connection-based matching as the primary um, determining factor in, in setting up games, which is, I mean, I think it's my preference, um, you know, and I, I don't really know where I fall in the percentage because, you know, I'm always doing bounties and stuff, so I'm, I'm probably actually sweating and, and playing to win, like, somewhere between 20 and 50% of the time, just depending on what part of the season we're in and if I care about bounties. Um, so it's, it's hard to know exactly, you know, am I playing really good players, really bad players? And that's, that I actually, for me, I think is maybe almost more important than the matching at this point. Like the next thing I would like them to do aside from consolidating the playlists is give us some kind of in-game indicator that actually suggests our rough skill level. You know, whether that's bronze, silver, gold, platinum, whatever, you know. Common, rare, legendary, exotic. I don't, I don't care what you call the tiers. It doesn't matter to me. I would just like to have a general idea of where I fall within the population. Um, you know, and then if I see that I, I move up or I move down, then it kind of tells me I'm doing something right or I'm doing something wrong. And I can learn from that, and I can get better. Um, but right now, it's just, it's sort of like, well, I can look at a third-party site, but like, I mean, ELO's not a great determining factor in, in terms of like actually guessing somebody's skill. Uh, Glorious is, as you already discussed, almost totally unrelated, almost but not quite totally unrelated to skill. Um, and... So I feel like we're left with like a bunch of, of things in the in the crucible that sort of like tell us how much we've played more than they tell us how good we are at it. And I think that's a problem. Um, so I hope that they look at that. I hope that we see maybe, you know, maybe with Beyond Light and season, is it season 13? Season 12. Season, boy, I can't count. Um... Beyond Light in Season 12, maybe we'll see some more revamp to the Crucible uh, coming in with that. These fall expansions are often a chance for them to make a lot of big changes in the game, so I'm hoping that that's, you know, maybe something that fits into that, uh, that box. But other than that, I'm super pumped for, I think, uh, where the story is going right now. I really like this track that they're on with a consistent, uh, evolving story. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of feeling like it is evolving a little bit here. I feel like this season is setting up a nice on-ramp to the next big expansion. And uh, it's kind of got me excited to see where it all goes. Yeah, and um, this is actually completely unrelated news, but I just saw that Cosmo posted something. So there was a worry that Prophecy the Dungeon was going to leave at the end of this season. They said it is a technical, uh, technical issue uh, it may leave for one season, but they will bring it back. It's not going away permanently. It's they are making changes under the hood to how activities function when season 12 launches. And they don't know if they're going to be able to get Prophecy up and running uh, along with those changes 
So they may have to pull it for a season, but then they would bring it back after that. So good, yeah, good mention. I had seen something about that as well, and I had seen it. It, it looked like a one of the, I guess, the French community manager had responded to it the other day, um, but it was in French, so I didn't really know what he said, except that it was coming back. Um, so that's good to know. And that's interesting that they're making some changes to the way activities function under the hood. Uh, I'm curious. I'm telling you, they need they need hoppers for all these similarly similar activities, right? Like imagine after you beat in each dungeon, a hopper opens up which you can use like the strike playlist to randomly match make you with other people to run dungeons, right? Like they could have done it with Menagerie and Sundial and like all these other six man activities. Like they need hoppers for these activities that will help keep populations up and keep people playing them and give people the ability to uh, to do these activities, you know, even even after it's not the season anymore. So on that note, I want to ask uh, how you feel about the Destiny Content Vault or or Convent Vault, as I've also heard it called. Yeah, the the where it houses all the Destiny nuns. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean. It's not... I understand why they're doing it. Uh, I personally am one of the people who uh, believes that as much content as can be should be in the game, right? Even if it is not being used by a majority of the population, it's just more stuff to do, right? And especially for people who are coming into the game late or coming back to the game after a break, um, it just gives them more to do. It's more likely they're going to continue playing. I think part of what Destiny's problem is is they've done a bad job of uh, of taking old content and streamlining it to fit with new content, right? And I know that takes man hours, that takes development hours, that takes time, it takes money. Um, but for example, they you know they use the Warmind campaign as the example, right? They said it takes up five percent of the disk space for Destiny, but it only 03 percent of time played was on the Warmind campaign. So to me, what you would do is you would build these seasons so that there's a plan for once the season is done, the stuff doesn't get sunset, but kind of gets shuttled back into an area. The exotic weapons get taken out of it. The storyline gets put into a quest, right? Like there should be a plan for all this content comes in a season. And then as soon as it is no longer that season, it gets put into its own special little niche that makes it makes everything way easier to do and way quicker, right? And they've never done that. They either completely remove stuff or they leave it exactly the way it was during the season and then it becomes really complicated and time-consuming and difficult and stuff gets lost or stuff gets broken. And like we end up with like a worst of both worlds where it's like, yeah, the content's in the game and it's damn near unplayable or you absolutely have to play it because you can't do anything else, but it doesn't feel right because it's old content, right? Like they, they mess this up with the uh, campaigns for new light players yeah new light players come in and the campaigns are on amanda holiday for some reason yeah and it doesn't prompt you to play them and like this is one of the things that i love doing at my job when i first got my job was like taking old stuff that wasn't running well and like streamlining it and getting it to fit in with the rest of the ecosystem and i feel like it's a missed opportunity to pull things um out of the game to take them away from players and put them somewhere where nobody's going to be able to play them and then bring them back one at a time, right? I feel like if you prepare for this stuff early on, which they clearly didn't, and that's not why they're having to do this now, 
but like if you gave me uh, you know season of arrivals right and you gave me a list of everything that was being added in season of arrivals the three exotic weapons uh, and a new quest line um, and some new skyboxes and, and that's pretty much it right so the plan should then be at the end of season of arrivals all that stuff that was added needs to be folded into the game some way maybe those uh, maybe those exotics that had quest lines now they go into world drops or Zura sells them or something right um, maybe that new activity uh, gets put into a hopper maybe that new activity uh, becomes a public event like maybe you like you you have all these contingency plans for okay once this is no longer the season it needs to go backwards they didn't do that they ended up with a lot of clutter a lot of backlog uh, a terrifying amount of quest when you log into the game right and you haven't played for a while um, and some quests that were completely blocked because stuff had been removed or hadn't been removed or was no longer yeah. there. I mean, it was just, it was a hot mess. So I understand why they're doing it. I wish they had had better preparation on the front end of this stuff and then they probably wouldn't be required to, right? But they didn't. And so is it is it better than the alternative, which is the game continues to bloat to the point where it becomes unplayable or unassailable for anyone who is a new player? Yeah, it's better than that alternative. Is it better than what could have been done with a little bit more organization on the front end? No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, we're here now. Um, so, I guess for me, um, I'm a little excited to see some stuff return. I think is where I'm at with it. Um, I'm kind of trying to stay focused on the positive aspects of it. Um, you know, and it may, it may, I think it's going to feel weird to see some stuff disappear from the director when that happens. Um, I think that's going to feel very strange, but at the, at the same time, uh, some of those locations, I don't know that I've been to, uh, except to maybe go, like, complete a bounty in a year. Um... You know, or maybe just during a strike. I I might I guess I'd pass through a lot of a lot of locations during a strike, and that's about the only time I really go there. Um, so, like I I guess I get where they're coming from. It's like you know we've got this content, nobody's playing it, so let's pull it out, and when we bring it back, we'll you know have an opportunity to refresh it to make sure everything's working right, um, and to to kind of you know, put some variety in terms of where people are going. Uh, the other side of it that I see is that analysis paralysis is a real thing. Um, and if you give people, you know, 15, 16 different locations to go explore um, all at once, they're going to say, well, that's a lot. And you say, okay, and also there are seven different storyline quests you can play them in order or you can play them out of order like okay that's that's a lot that's arguably too much what's the best order to play them in? i don't know um so i, I think it really really depends to a certain extent like how they how they proceed is really going to determine how successful the content vault is um you know are they just bringing back these campaigns at some point in the future are they taking these locations and wrapping them into some kind of new storyline that's going to happen um i mean until we actually see a little bit more from them on it i think 
it's it's a little bit difficult for me to form too strong of a judgment but so i feel like it really depends on how they're going to implement the content vault in terms of when they bring these locations back are they going to be just retelling the stories that they've told previously with maybe some updated graphics or, or some minor changes um, or are they going to be bringing back these locations and telling new stories in them um, I, you know I guess I'm really curious to get more details from Bungie on exactly what the plan is <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> on exactly what the plan is and how they're going to be using these locations you know when the Cosmodrome comes back what are we going to be doing there you know that's that's kind of my question like what's what's the uh, the story what's the point um, are they going to be bringing back other missions from Destiny 1 for us to play or is, is it going to be all new Technicolor you know <laughs> like I, I, I don't know I don't know what to expect, except that they said, oh, Cosmodrome's coming back. Okay. Um, I'm excited for that. I missed the Cosmodrome. I had a lot of fun in the Cosmodrome. But, you know, I, I guess I, I just sort of want to know what it means when they say they're going to bring it back. I think it's going to be similar to the way they brought back the moon, right? Where it's the same moon we know and love with some updated graphics uh, and you know some new stuff on it too i think that's that'll be what it is i hope that's um, the so case. i'm that'd be phenomenal that is the best thing about the the destiny content vault however i feel like they are bait and switching it and they're like we're gonna bring back stuff from d1 but we're gonna take away stuff from d2 to do it right and it's like well you know i understand not wanting to clog up people's hard drives but warzone doesn't seem to give a shit about it warzone's pumping out 40 gig updates every other season it seems like so you know and also all the new, you know, the new generation is going to be coming with terabyte hard drives or two terabyte hard drives. Like, it'll be fine if this thing ends up being 150 gigs. Like, it'll be okay. Um, so, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm looking forward to seeing Vault of Glass come back. I'm looking forward to seeing Cosmodrome come back. I would love nothing more than for three years from now, Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 to have been completely merged, everything to have been updated. I mean, imagine hopping on to Destiny, just Destiny, not even Destiny 2, Destiny 1. It's just called Destiny. And all the content from D1 is there. All the content from D2 is there. I mean, as a player, you would be able to get on and like as a new player logging on with the entire storyline out in front of you, you would be able to explore so yeah. many worlds, see so many things, do so much stuff, have so many strikes, so many crucible maps, um, so many raids, right? Like there would be so much to do. It would be the biggest game in terms of content that could ever exist. And I think there is a potential for a game that is so much to so many people. Um, and when you limit yourself to like four worlds at a time or five worlds at a time, you just, it's great. It is what it is, but it's just, I have this grand vision and I don't think you can do the grand vision when you sunset, not only gear and equipment, but you also sunset entire locations. So, you know, I think that there may be some room for that in two or three years. Um, when the majority of people maybe have move to to you know either they're either on uh, a pc with you know 30 terabytes of hard drive space or, or whatever it's up to these days 
um, or they're on the new consoles uh, and they have a couple terabytes um, and you know and then you know Bungie can make maybe a, a 200 gigabyte game and it's fine it's not a big deal we've got we've got room for that um, and I do think you know again for me it's all about the implementation right um, I think if they bring you in as a new player and you play through and you unlock these locations one at a time and it's it's progressive and you play through everything kind of in order um, I think that would be phenomenal I mean think about how long that campaign's going to be uh, well they'd have to redo the D1 campaign because the D1 campaign well, is shit right yeah. like they'd have, they would have to actually make a new D1 <laughs> campaign and it could even be a shorter D1 campaign too right one of the things I've thought about is like, imagine if instead of splitting up all the missions that are on one location, it was just one long mission, right? Like you would end up with four or five missions, right? But each mission would be an hour long instead of what happens now is you have four missions on each location and they're 15 minutes a piece and they kind of suck because you have to go back to orbit in between each one. Then you just go right back to where you were and you start again. Like imagine if that was just one long mission. And you I think that'd be thing. great if there were checkpoints in it that you could pick back up on. Well, yeah, I mean, the checkpoints would be exactly where the normal mission would end, and you could just reach over the mission. Yeah, but that's—I don't think that has anything to do with what we're talking <laughs> about at all. <laughs> that would be—that would be a heck of a tangent to get so off. So I think I think the takeaway here uh, is that we're we're pretty happy with um, what they've revealed so far about Beyond Light. Um, very much looking forward to the fall expansion. Mercules doesn't like leveling up obelisks, and uh, you know we both we both have big big dreams and hopes for the future of uh, of Destiny right now. So um, I don't know that there's a whole lot more that we can talk about right now. Um, very much looking no. forward to next week being able to break down some of the new weapons. Um, I think we'll both hopefully have had time to collect and play with several of them and yeah i'm i'm pretty excited for that what is it how many of them are there there's uh there's there's four and then two swords is that what it is an auto rifle a bow a pulse rifle a fusion rifle and then the two uh basically a dark drinker and a bolt caster yeah are, are back but in legendary swords so um yeah we can do a breakdown of those. That should be pretty fast. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty excited for that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I've got. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Peace.